You're listening to Underestimated. Real stories from real women. Discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowered girls and quickly realized that there are many more real life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. I'm so excited to be having Vasavi Kumar on the show today. Vasavi is a licensed therapist with a dual master's degree in special education and social work. She's a business strategist, a dog mom. Um, She's a licensed therapist with a background in business and media communications. And I am so excited to have her share some of her wisdom today on the podcast. I really encourage you also to go check out her free guide She just launched it last week, but the free guide is called The 10 Must Have Habits of Ultra Confident Women. It's really amazing. I think you guys are going to love it. So if you want to learn what it takes to go from being a people pleaser to a confident self-lover, something that myself has problems with, she's really, really great to work with. And uh, that free guide, I think, might be a good start into learning more about how she can help you. Check it out at vasavikumar.com. I'm so happy to have you, Vasavi. I'm always happy to talk to an internet friend. (laughs) I'm always happy to do that. Yeah, because I think it's great with the internet. You know, we can meet people that we wouldn't normally meet. And I just feel I'm grateful that we're here having this conversation on this hot ass Friday here in Austin, Texas. I am loving the weather actually right now, um, but that I only love it whenever I have uh, access to a pool. So. Yeah, honestly, if I don't have access to like beach, lake, water, like any sort of pool, a shower, I mean, I always have access to a shower that I'm like, what am I doing? This is just awful right now. I just, I, my electric bill was definitely about 200 bucks this month and I was usually like a hundred and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta chill out with the AC, but yeah, it gets really hot. It gets really hot here, but. It At does. least it's not cold. Being an East Coaster, I'm used to the cold and I'm used to the snow. But now being in Austin for seven years, like hot, I would I would choose hot over the cold any day. I'm the same. That's right. You're from New York. You grew up in New York originally, right? Long Island, Strong Island, baby. Woo! <laughs> Don't judge me for saying that, but I did just say it. <laughs> no, I, I honestly wouldn't know the difference because I'm born and raised in Texas. So, <laughs> Where in Texas are you from? East Texas, uh, Beaumont area. Beaumont. Okay, I've heard of Beaumont. Yeah, yeah it's a little small town. So, yeah. Well, how did you find your way to Austin? Tell us a little bit about your career path and what you've learned along the way making those moves? Unfortunately, well, it's not unfortunately, but I found my way to Austin through a man. Uh, So I'm from New York, like I said. I got married when I was 28 to my college sweetheart. We moved to Kansas City after we got married. Um, I think at that point, I just wanted to get the hell out of my parents' house. I love my parents, but they're very traditional Indian, you know, immigrants. I'm a first generation Indian immigrant. I just wanted to get out, start my own life with my husband. And so we lived in Kansas City, actually, for 
uh, three years. And then I was like, I can't do this. I'm literally in the middle of America, landlocked, no water. You know, so we moved to Austin. We were still married at the time, but we moved to Austin and um, I was still running my business. You know, I'm a licensed therapist. I have my master's in social work from Columbia. And I'm also, I have my master's in special ed. I'm a certified coach. And I'd been running my own business at that point only for a few years. Um, and I was already getting burnt out because I am a recovering workaholic uh, amongst other aholics, by the way, uh, for your listeners. I'm also a recovered addict and alcoholic. I'm over a year sober now. Um, so I, at that point was just really burnt out from the work that I was doing. And I was like, I need a change. So I said, let's go to Austin. You know, it's a good, I think it was like eight, nine hours straight down from Kansas city, might maybe, maybe 12 hours. And there was a vegetarian culinary school here in Austin. And I'm a vegetarian, raised vegetarian. And I love to cook because Indian girls, you know, we are put in the kitchen from a very young age. So I've, I've been cooking since I was like five or six, you know, I'd been in the kitchen all the time and I just needed a change. I just needed a change from doing the work that I was doing. And while I love working with my clients, um, I just needed a change. And I've just always been one of those people, you know, Crystal, that's like, oh, this looks fun. I'm going to do it. I'm just an experiencer. I like to experience life. And um, I was able, I got a scholarship to go to plant-based culinary school here. And um, so we moved to Austin. So then I moved to Austin with my husband. And a year later, he became my ex-husband. And we're still civil, civil with each other. Like he's remarried, actually. I'm really happy for him. And um, I moved to Austin because I needed a change. So we moved here and I went to culinary school and kind of paused my business at that time and just did what Vasily wanted to do, which was to cook. And that's what I did. And I'm still here seven years later. I I love dabbling in a lot of things like that, too. Um, I think you learn so much whenever that's that's just amazing that you had the confidence and courage to take a step back from what you went to school to do and go and learn something new again. I think that I have an immense amount of faith in myself. I have a, a very deep faith in God, and I know that no matter what, I'm always going to be okay. I also know that as long as I listen to that voice inside of me that is nudging me, no matter how weird or scary or irrational it seems, I know the place that it's coming from. And it's if it's like that whisper that, come on, you can do it. Why don't you check this out? That voice I listen to. Uh, there was a period in my life where I did not listen to that voice and that and not listening to my voice is what caused me a lot of grief and pain and uh, sorrow in my life. So I've, I have experience of listening to that voice and it ultimately leading to other good things um, and experiences. And I also have the experience of not listening to that voice, not listening to that voice. Um, you pay a heavy price when you don't listen to that voice. So I have a lot of experience not listening to that voice as well. What do you think were some experiences, some key points in your life that helped you develop that, that confidence in yourself? I think, honestly, I, a lot of it is the grace of God, I have to be honest. I, I think, but I think we're all, as human beings, we're born with that curiosity and we're born with the ability to do anything we want. I think our society, I think our, you know, the way we're parented, um, our environment plays a huge role. I think we're all born with that innate, you know, that possibility of, of that, that, that being destined for greatness. I believe we're all born with that. I a hundred percent believe that, but I do think not everyone is, has the access to the type of environment that fosters that. 
I was very lucky. I, even though I'm a woman of color and I am brown, I'm a very privileged woman of color. And I know that both my parents, like I said, are immigrants, but my mom's a cardiologist, retired cardiologist. My father's a CPA. I never had to worry about money a day in my life. I never had to go step outside of my house and fear that I was going to get killed or shot or pulled over for being an Indian woman, right? So there's a lot of things that I don't want to take for granted. And I am very privileged in that way. Um, but my parents were really, um, my father always pushed me. My mother always pushed me. They never, they never put their projections. They never projected their shit on me. You know, they, ne they were never like, oh, that's a silly idea. Don't do that. I think because, you know, as immigrants, they came to the U.S. to, to have a better life for themselves and to raise two daughters. And they were just very encouraging with me. Um, my sister kind of took more of a traditional path. She's like the older one. She's married. She has two kids. She's a doctor, you know, and I was kind of like a very, you know, free bird, you know? Um, but I think I was just a naturally curious person and I'm very lucky that my, you know, my mom would always be like, don't ask questions, just do what we tell you. And my father allowed me to be more curious. He never really questioned why I was questioning. So I'm very lucky that way. But I think that if not, you know, not everyone has that, then I think what you can do even at this age is start questioning, right? If you were not given the ability or the space to question, it's never too late to question, right? It's never too late to question your beliefs. It's never too late to question, why do I do things this way? Why am I still in this job? Why am I still with this guy or this girl? Why am I still doing this, right? We don't question ourselves. We kind of just drank the Kool-Aid and been like, okay, this is just the way it's always going to be. This is the, this is the way it's always been. And if we don't question ourselves, we're just going to find ourselves in this rut where we're like day in and day out and not question ourselves. Like, why am I still doing stuff this way? So I've always just questioned. I've always just done what I wanted to do. Um, sometimes that led me down a path of making really, really unhealthy choices, especially with men and the type of men that I dated and the habits that they had and their habits became my habits. If you noticed, I said, if you remember, I said I'm a recovered addict and alcoholic. That did not just happen me on my own. That was directly correlated with a guy that I was dating. Um, and I became like him because I wanted his love and attention and approval. So there's a lot of codependency issues here that I've had to go through. But that confidence in myself is truly my faith in God has never really wavered. I've ignored it at times. And I've kind of had like on again, off again relationship with God and, and my higher power. But um, I've just always known. I've just always known. I can't, I, I, there's no one point in my life that's like, oh, this is why I have a lot of confidence. I've just always known, you know? I, I know that you talk a lot about that in your, your podcast, Being Human. And I, I love how open you are about those struggles that you have gone through and overcome and have learned from. I think it's very important thing that people need to hear about. Um, can you think of a time when you may have ever underestimated yourself or you've been underestimated in a situation in life? Oh my God. Uh, how long do we have? <laughs> as long uh, as you want. <laughs> I think really the, the, the key, the pivotal moment in my life that really shined a light on how little I underestimated or how much I underestimated myself was right after I got divorced. Uh, right after I got divorced, I said, I want to be alone. I want to be single. I want to get to know myself. I've been in this marriage and in this relationship with this guy for 10 years. Uh, we were together for a total of 10, including marriage. It's time for me to be alone. This marriage isn't working. And, you know, we had a mutual split. And I immediately got into another relationship because 
guess what? No one prepares you for being alone. No one prepares you for divorce. And I immediately got into another relationship and moved this guy into my house, this new guy that I met, my rebound, which ended up being four freaking years of my life. So it was a very long rebound. Um, and I moved him into my house. And I want to talk a little bit about red flags because we underestimate our intuition, right? So I really want this conversation to be about intuition because I think women do this and men do this is that we have that intuitive hit. We have that like, don't go down that road or this guy is bad news or you don't want to be dating this girl. This is not good for you. And we ignore it. We underestimate it. We don't trust ourselves. And I really underestimated the power of my intuition. I know I feel it. When I feel it, it does not feel good. It feels so like stay away. But I just kind of brushed it off. And I was like, no, this is me just being paranoid. But I knew from day one with this guy that I dated that it was a huge red flag. So many, so many red flags. I just ignored them because I had conditioned myself to think that it was my job to be responsible for other people's emotions and other people's success. I mean, being in business, being paid to help other people grow their, grow their, their mindset, grow their businesses. I had then let that trickle into my romantic relationships, right? It's one thing to be getting paid to be somebody's therapist or coach. It's another thing to do that in a romantic relationship. That is not sexy. That does not turn me on, right? There, I mean, my libido just went down at that point because I'm playing somebody's mommy at that point, right? And so I underestimated myself. I underestimated the power of my intuition. I stayed in that relationship for way too long. Even after there were glaring red flags, like him cheating on me, him doing things that I would never do, you know, having secret relationships and, and then blaming it on me, gaslighting, you know, putting it back on me. And I just kept saying, this is my fault. This is my fault. Even though there was always this voice in my head that was like, Vasavi, wake up. What are you doing? You know, Crystal, I would wake up every single morning next to this guy and be like, I just want out of this relationship. But I was too scared to be alone. So it was like, I had to choose. Am I going to be in this relationship and force it to be at work, force it to work? or suck it up, um, or deal with the pain of being alone. And I didn't want to deal with the pain of being alone and, 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 and learn to be with myself. So I stuck it out. And because of that, what became a, you know, once a week cocaine habit, right? W once a week cocaine, let's just party, right? Cause I'm making 10 grand a month in my business at that point. I'm taking care of him financially. I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm a high functioning addict at that point, right? Because I'm able to run a run a I'm a one woman show. I have a I have my my clients. I'm doing 15 clients a day. I'm breaking in eight to ten grand a month. I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm working out though, and then all of a sudden it's like he's like, you know, we we you know, let's let's go out and party. And at that point, right, I'm so broken on the inside. My thinking is so broken, and my value system is so messed up because I was ignoring myself and I was underestimating all those red flags and the intuitive hits that I said, okay. So what became a Friday night little party, you know, little party favor became a six day a week habit, right? It became a full blown addiction. So we're talking Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, you know, cause you can't forget about Sunday, fun day, take a break on Monday. Cause my nose hurts too much. Right. And then I got clients Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, still working with my clients, telling them to live their best lives. But behind closed doors, I'm, you know, snorting cocaine off my kitchen counter when I'm done working with my clients. So I'm literally leading a double life, knowing that it's wrong, but underestimating the power of my intuition. That's what happens when you get addicted. And that's what happens when you allow shitty people into your life. And that's what I did. So I underestimated my truth and how I was raised. And I knew right from wrong. It's not like I was raised by parents who did not teach me values, right? I know right, I know my right from wrong. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. And it is wrong to, it is wrong, right? Like, 
But at that point, I, I was just, I was so in denial because, you know, I had this person in my ear saying like, you work really hard, you deserve it. You're rewarding yourself. I now look at a reward. When I think about rewarding myself, the reward is just the work that I'm doing and feeling good on the inside. I don't need to do drugs or drink to reward myself. I'm happy on the inside because I'm living a sober life. So I underestimated myself and I, it, I dragged it out way too long. I did get professional help. So I did go to rehab, uh, residential rehab, did sober living, burnt my whole life to the ground. And I was very open about it. After I got out of rehab the first time, October of 2017, I, I wrote a blog post about it. People who had no idea where the hell I was. I was like, you know, here I am 90 days sober. Um, and again, I underestimated myself because once I got healthy and I got sober, clean and serene, I went back to the same guy that I was with thinking I'm healthy now. I can help you. Once again, very broken thinking, right? Leave the trash on the, at the curb. Right. I, I, I had it. I had the opportunity to cut myself free from really toxic people, places and things. But once I got healthy, I once again thought it was my responsibility to go back and save him. So we got back together. I was still sober. It was a very strained relationship because I was no longer fun party girl. I was no longer raking in eight to ten thousand dollars a month because I was I was focused on my recovery. Right. Um, seven months sober. At that point, it was May of 2018. He dumped me because I believe it's because I was sober. And I was so-called boring for him because I wasn't out wanting to get messed up. Your lifestyles like, never matched. Again, our, lifestyles, or didn't match back. our lifestyles never matched from day one, from day one. And what I did was I changed who I was for that person. Mm -hmm. I, I was working out six days a week. I started doing cocaine instead six days a week. It's funny how things change. I became that person that I, was, I had such a healthy lifestyle and then I completely, I, I got brought down to his level. My father always says, if you roam the mud with pigs, you're going to get up smelling like shit. And I smelled really bad. So, um, yeah, I think, I, I think a lot of people can relate to bringing people in their lives in similar to your situation and really falling down a, a path that they never saw themselves going down. I, I have experiences with a, a ex that, wasn't as extreme, but I was crazy about him for two or three years, tried things that I never thought I would do. But I think those are also situations we learn a lot from. And I, once I went through that experience, I never would go down that path again. And then I, I became stronger. I felt coming out of it. What did you learn from your experiences and what would you want to relay to people? So many things. And so what I want to say to your audience listening is like, my rock bottom looked very different than a lot of people. But if you look at the bigger picture here, so let's just talk about the bigger picture. The bigger picture is about being clear on your boundaries. The bigger picture is to be okay with the fact that not everyone's going to relate to you, right? We, you know, everyone wants to be relatable. And I'm like, stop being relatable and start being real, right? Because I think what happens is we want to be liked we want to be approved of. We want everyone to be our friend. And you got to realize that not everyone's going to be your friend. And in order for everyone to be your friend, you're going to have to betray and abandon yourself. So you have a choice. Um, and so whether, you know, you're running a business, I have a client, right? She's an interior designer 
and she wants to start doing e-design, right? She just wants to do virtual design. And she's like, you know, I keep having clients coming to me and saying that they want to work with me face to face. I go, what do you want? She goes, I want to do virtual design. I go, well, then that's what you have to do. You need to articulate that to your clients coming to you. I am no longer offering this service. If they don't want to hire you because you're, you are um, providing a service that is not aligned with them. Bye. See ya. Right. Like, and you don't have to obviously say it like that, but it's in your head. You got to be like, you got to be clear on who you are and what you want instead of what do I need to say for you to like me? What do you want? I'm going to mold myself for you versus this is what I want. These are the rules that I'm living my life by. This is how I live my life. Take it or leave it. That's it. Right. So that's the biggest lesson is what I'm sharing here. Obviously, it, it was it was it was really harmful, right? Like I could have died. I'm sure there are many many nights that I I mean, when I, I could have overdosed like one thousand percent at the rate that I was going. But it's really not about drugs and alcohol, right? That's just the manifestation. That is the symptom of the problem. The problem is lack of connection with ourselves. The problem is caring too much what other people think. The problem is lack of confidence in 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 ourselves. And the problem is not listening to ourselves and not trusting ourselves. We all have the ability to listen to ourselves, but we don't because we're so consumed by what everybody else is doing, what everybody else needs from us versus stopping and pausing and being like, hold on. Where am I in all of this? What are my values? What are my morals? How do I want to live my life? And I believe we're going to have to keep going through the same thing over and over until we learn the lesson. It took me a while to learn the lesson, a good solid uh, five years because I relapsed. I did. I relapsed in May of 2018. And I went back to rehab in March of 2019. And now by the grace of God, I am a year and almost three months sober. So congrats. Thank you. I'm a thorough learner. I'm not one of those people that learns a lesson the first time. So I had to fall on my face again. And that's what I want to say to everyone listening. So don't get too caught up in the actual content of what I'm saying about the drugs and the alcohol. Really look at your life and ask yourself, what is the stuff that keeps happening in your life over and over again that you're like, man, why is this happening again? It's happening again because you have yet to learn the lesson or you know what you need to do and you're not doing it because it's painful. And ultimately what I think it boils down to, Crystal, we are as human beings wired for connection. We want to feel connected. And so we compromise ourselves so we don't ever lose that connection. And to that I say, if I have to compromise myself to keep mediocre subpar relationships, relationships in my life, screw that. I'd rather be alone any day of the week. I'd rather be alone because at least I can count on myself, you know, and be more mindful of who I allow, who we allow into our lives. I think that's something that we just learn at an early age. As soon as we go off to school, you want to be in with the crowd. It's a scary time when you're leaving home and going to school for the first time and you want to be a part of the crowd and you want to be liked and accepted and don't want to be somebody sitting in the corner by yourself. So I I completely relate to, oh, I, that's actually one of my biggest struggles is I am a people pleaser to the core. <laughs> and I, it's so funny. Cause I actually have a free guide, a 24 page guide. That's like how to go discover how to go from a people pleaser to a confident self lover. How good does that sound? Oh right? my God. Confident self lover, because it's uh the people pleasing, you know, I like what you said about 
you know, at school, what we're taught, not even like when we go away to college, but just even thinking about in like nursery school, stand in line, don't step outside a line, do this with the class, don't do this, you can't do this. It's like, oh my God, from a young age, we are literally being trained to be puppets. We are trained to be clones of one another. We are not trained to think for ourselves. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to school, then I'm going to go to high school, then I'm going to graduate, I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to get a job, then I got to find the guy that I love, then I got to pop out my three kids, and then I got to have my 401k, and then I'm going to some maybe somehow maybe enjoy my life when I'm 65 and I'm retired. That's fucking boring. That's boring. Like, we got to learn to think for ourselves. And for a lot of people, that works. So I'm not putting down anyone who does that. I'm just saying that if you are listening right now and you are questioning everything that you've ever been taught about what is happiness, you got to ask yourself, am I actually happy right now? Listen, if you're happy with the, with, with the, with the husband, the wife, the two kids, and, 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 you're, and you're twice a year vacation and you're 401k and you're happy, if you're truly genuinely happy and you can answer that for yourself and you're fulfilled, great. And if you want more, you can always say, well, what else is out there? There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get, don't, don't uh, like trick yourself into thinking that just because you're content, that you're actually content. Because being content can also just be like an excuse for complacency, right? We often tell ourselves like, I'm content. But that, what, that, what, you, what you could also be saying is like, I really don't know any other way. So I should be grateful. I should be grateful for what I have. And there's nothing wrong with being like, what else is there for me? You know, what other possibilities are out there? I was actually just having this conversation um, with a friend yesterday about I grew up in a small town and it was very cookie cutter, just the, the same thing, the plan. You went to school, you graduated high school, you went to college, got a degree. In that small town, um, you there was very limited jobs that you could actually go and pursue just because it was small, either as a woman or a man. Um, it was a very big oil town. And it was just so easy to, that's the only box you ever saw. And I had to get out of that town to yeah. learn, just to experience different cultures and try new things. You know, it's, uh, I, I, that takes a lot of courage to just leave because like your environment plays a huge role. Your environment plays a huge role. So let's say you're in a job, you don't like your job, but you know you want to change and you know right now you can't leave your job. By the way, I am not of the mentality of go quit your job. Don't do that because if that's your bread and butter right now, don't stress yourself out because the minute you're stressed, your creativity stops. Or maybe you're the kind of person that when you're stressed, it's a catalyst, right? To think differently. So it really depends on the kind of person you are. When I'm slightly stressed, my creative mind is just like, you know, I, I come up with solutions, but I don't like to be in a heightened state of stress all the time, right? I just, I'm, I'm a chill. I know I don't sound chill. I'm like amping right now, but I'm, you know, I'm very passionate. What can it's I a passionate subject to talk about. It's a passionate like, subject. How can you not be passionate? <laughs> but suppose you're in a job and you don't like your job, but you know you want to try something different. Don't quit your day job, right? And you're not ready to quit your day job. Fine. Look at your other hobbies. Look at your other skills. Look at other things that you've left on the back burner. Maybe you used to play baseball when you were a kid. Why don't you join an intramural league with a bunch of adults? No, no one is saying you're going to go become a pro baseball player, but it's really about do the things that make you feel alive. We only do things if it serves a purpose, right? It's like, oh, well, my aunt, for example, she's my favorite aunt in the entire world. My aunt, sorry, I say aunt. Um, she, I love her, Okay. She is an elementary school teacher and she wanted to go be an actress when she was younger. And traditionally Indian women are not, you know, 
told to be actresses or like told to get married. And so that's what she did. She married my uncle. And um, it's funny because we talked a few weeks ago. I talked, I FaceTime with her once a week and I was like, I'm going to get you some virtual acting classes. And she's like, no, what's the point? She's like, it's too late. I go, how do you feel when you act or, you know, she, you know, you know, and you uh, put on productions for the elementary school. She goes, oh, I love it. I love it. I go, why isn't that not enough? Why is it not enough to just do something because you love it? Why does everything have to have a reason? Because this is what I know. When I do the things that make me feel connected, right? So for me, if I go for a walk with my headphones on or with nothing at all, I come back 10 minutes later, a much happier person, a much more serene person. If I'm feeling anxious, I'm not trying to be a professional walker. You know what I mean? You got to find the things that make you feel alive. If it's hanging out with certain group of people, if it's taking a class, if it's painting, no one's asking you to be the next Vincent Van Gogh, right? Or, or, or whatever. It's just about if you want to tap into that creative part of you, go back to the things that you used to do when you were a kid that, brought, that made you feel alive. At some point, you were doing things that made you feel alive simply for shits and giggles. And at some point down the road, somebody told you, society told you, don't do that. That's not going to make you a lot of money. Don't do that. You know, how are you going to be, you know, or like uh, you're going to be a starving artist or you're not going to, you know, be able to. So then you stop yourself. You, you, and many of us are living lives that are not even our lives. They are the lives of other people, people who have put their pain on us, people who have put their projections on us. That's why I started off by saying, you got to question everything that you've been told because you may not even realize this, but you are living somebody else's life right now. It's so sad how young that starts as well. Like it starts at a really, really young age. When I was in seventh grade, I wanted to be an interior designer and I had a coach. Well, he was our science teacher. um, It was like the end of a school year, went around the classroom, asked everyone what they wanted to be when they grew up. I said, I wanted to be an interior designer. And he was like, no, you'll never make it at that. You are too smart to do that. You should definitely find something else as a career. So I never pursued it. I I mean, I was a kid that every second I had, I was studying just HGTV and home design magazines and everything that I could get my hands on. And then I stopped as soon as he said that. And he also told, I have a twin brother um, who as long as I can remember until this point, wanted to be a marine biologist. He always had, that's what he got for birthdays was books on marine biology. He wanted to swim with sharks. Same thing. This science teacher told him in seventh grade, no, you don't make any money in that. That's a terrible career to go in. It's just, it's sad that at this young age that you're just impacted and won by a teacher. First of all, I'm going to say, fuck that science teacher. <laughs> second of all, I'm going to say to you, Crystal, not to put you on the spot, because I know you're interviewing me. I'm going <laughs> to suggest that you pursue that. I'm going to suggest that you pursue that. In fact, the client that I was working with as an interior designer, she literally just signed up for an e-design. It's called E, like the letter e-design U course. And it's a course to help people start their virtual design um, uh, business. But see, everyone listening right now, I thank you so much for your vulnerability, Crystal, and sharing that story, because just like you have that story, do you know how many other people have that story of you can't do that? And who who knows? You you I mean, I, I'm sure you still have really a great eye for design, because if that gift was instilled in you and you were born with that and, and if you would have just cultivated it. And first of all, I want to say I don't know how old you are. You don't have to 
Let me know how old you are, if that's a thing. It is not too late. It is literally not too late for you to be like, fuck that science teacher. I'm going to be an interior designer and you can, you can run with it. I'm telling you, like people think they've lost time. People think that it's like, it's too late. I thought this way because I basically, let's say if I had that mentality and I definitely did for a while, oh, I lost my thirties, right? Because I'm 38 now. And I really got into the thick of it with my addiction. And this, this guy that I was with from 31 ish to about 36, I've lost five years of my thirties, right? But I now switched the languaging to, I learned so much in my thirties. That's, I didn't lose anything. I had to go through that. And let me tell you this, the things that I'm doing in my business now, like launching my membership community, things that I never would have even dared of doing, it's all because all the stuff that I went through, I had to get really clear within. I had to get really focused within. You haven't lost any time because when you get clear on who you are, you have focus. When you have focus, you have momentum. So it is not too late. I'm going to say it again. Fuck that science teacher. If you want to be an interior designer, you can absolutely go do that. And for anyone listening, for every you know science teacher that there is, there's a mom who told you this, put their projections on you. I bet you that science teacher wish he would have been a marine biologist and he didn't. So he put, he, 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 you know, put a wet blanket on your brother's dreams. So you got to like now, like as a child, that affected you. I get it. But as an adult, we got to start questioning things, right? So I hope not to put you on the spot that you get off this interview and you're like, damn, I'm going to look up that design course. I'm going to launch my virtual design company for real. Like, fuck that teacher. I'm so sorry. I don't even know if I'm allowed to curse on this, but. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> fuck that yeah. teacher. Everybody listening right now, that teacher that said anything to you or that whatever to say, fuck them. Because seriously, don't let somebody's insecurity stop you from going out and pursuing your shit. That, I mean, you're, you're literally giving your power and your control over to somebody in the past. Like, do not let, and you could do that, Crystal. I'm, you could start your interior design business. I know you, you can. You know, since then I've, I found other passions and it's still something like now it's just, I do what I want with, you know, wherever I'm staying in my apartment. But now I think for me, the, the core of it is I need a creative outlet. So that's what stemmed this podcast is one, the pain and the hurt. And it wasn't a, t a ton of pain, but just growing up with a, like in the box in a small town. And I now have a niece. Um, well, I have a couple of nieces <laughs> that are very young and wanting to communicate to them that they don't have, like, if they have that science teacher come in and tell them that they can't do this to have something influence them before that, that no, you can do anything, even though I was told I could do anything to not let that science teacher impact them the way that science teacher impacted me. So the whole point of this podcast is so I can interview women from different backgrounds and get stories of things they've overcome and stories that they've persevered and turn it into a children's book so I can influence that generation. And that's kind of how I've cultivated that creativity into something that I'm, I'm really passionate about now. I'm really proud of you for that, right? You, and that's really about taking, turning your pain into your personal power. I do want to say you know, I did not have the experience that you did of having a teacher tell me and underestimate me. The only person that's ever underestimated me is myself. And I think we all can relate to that, right? You, you know, you could have a teacher underestimate you, but ultimately it's you against you. It's you and you, right? I'm the most, I'm the most competitive with myself. 
And I think I've underestimated my discipline. I've underestimated my, my creativity. I've underestimated it just because I, you know, and what I want everyone hearing is like, like, okay, you may have had that people, person, teacher, parent in your life, but ultimately if you're still not doing the thing that you want to be doing, it's because you're still underestimating yourself. So give yourself a chance. Yeah. I, I think too many times the self-talk that we give ourselves, you talk about this in your podcast and um, I'm sure you talk about it um, as a, a therapist as well is just self-talk is very important. The way that you speak to yourself internally, if you say that you can't do it, guess what? You're right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. If say, yeah. If you say you can do it, then guess what? You're right, too. Yes. I mean, it, it's up to you at that point. If you're going to say to yourself that um, you can't do it, then you're right. If you could. It's funny. I, I've been working out. Right. So I've been uh, going to this p- uh, personal trainer at, uh, in Austin at Athletic Outcomes. I noticed when I turned 38, you know, I looked in the mirror and I was like feeling really good. OK, I promise this is all going to lead to the self-talk. So um, I looked in the mirror and I was like, man, I've gained some weight and I'm all for body positivity and all that great stuff. Okay. Wonderful. But I didn't like what I was looking in the mirror. Like I didn't hate myself, but I knew that I'd put on some pounds. It was excess weight. And I always think of excess weight as like, what are you waiting for? You know, what am I actually waiting for here? So I signed up for a personal trainer, whatever. So we, we, you know, they, my trainer pushes me so much as she should. And when I, we were doing like wall sits and I do not like wall sits because my thighs are like, my quads are like, they're burning, right? And I'm literally saying as we're doing the wall sits, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then I'm like, no, if I'm going to tell myself I can't do this, I literally am telling myself I can't do it. How am I going to do it? Right? So I was, as I'm doing the wall sits, I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. Right? I swear there's like a sudden energy shift. My father is 72. He's retired. Everything is, I can't do this because I'm 72. I'm at Target the other day talking to my dad on the phone. And he goes, oh, I forgot what you were saying. I'm so mentally fragile. And I said to my father, why would you call yourself mentally fragile? Why would you say that about yourself? So while I'm in Target shopping for God knows what, because I never, I always never have a list when I go in there and then I'm screwed. But and I then go you buy there, everything. I'm like, how the hell did I just spend $253.17? <laughs> but I say to my father, you're not going to talk like that in my presence. You are not going to put yourself down in my presence. So I had him, this is what I had him do. I had him say 10 times, I am mentally fragile. He said it 10 times. And then I had him say, I am mentally strong and can do anything. And I had him say that 10 times. And he said, I noticed, I, I, I noticed, noticeably felt the difference. The second, you know, the second piece of self-talk with the, I am mentally strong. So even my dad, the most stubborn mule in the world, you know, 72 years old saying this, like, listen, we are so conditioned to be nice. And to be, you know, considerate of other people and be polite and be people pleasers to everybody else. Why don't we extend that same courtesy to ourselves? I would never tell you, Crystal, you can't do this. You can't do that. Why the hell would I talk to myself that way? If you were running late for something or if you messed up something, I wouldn't say, oh, my God, you're so worthless. You're such a piece of shit. You know, you can't get your shit together. Why would I say that to myself? Why? And that's why when you start talking to yourself kindly, you will no longer put up with shit from people around you who, do, who don't respect you, right? We want to blame other people. We want to blame our bosses. We want to blame our partners. We want to even blame our kids for how they talk to us and treat us. But we allow that. And we train other people how to treat us. 
So we need to train ourselves how to treat ourselves better because when we train ourselves to respect ourselves, we will not accept anything less than that from anybody else. Yeah. So is that a lot of the stuff that you cover in... Well, I, I'm interested in just hearing what you're what you talk about in your free guide and where can people go to get that? Yeah. So the free guide, the 10 must habits of ultra confident women. I know it's very hooky and very markety, but you know, gotta do what you gotta do. But that's the thing. On the inside, what you find is the things that I think women, and I'm gonna say men, because I think a lot of men struggle with this too, but my my target audience are women. So you know, women are not trained to be selfish. Um, in fact, research shows that women are punished when they're selfish, but men are rewarded when they're selfish. So it's no wonder why women stick around in abusive relationships. We think we need to be the one to save it. Why we stick around in, in, in relationships that we don't want to be in or why we say yes when we really want to say no, because we're conditioned to basically punish ourselves and be punished by society and be looked at as like this bitch if we're not selfish or if we're not selfless, like being selfless is not a badge of honor, but we wear it like like we need to be, right? And we pride ourselves on being like, I'm so selfless. Like, no, thank you. All that sounds like is that I'm abandoning myself. I, I don't want to be selfless. I want to be of service, but I don't want to be selfless. So in this guide, I really walk through the 10 things that you absolutely need to stop doing or start doing. Um, it's a combination of both. Like, for example, stop being shitty with yourself. Stop saying shitty things to yourself. Um, stop hanging out with people who just suck the living life out of you. Um, and it's not just like, you're not just reading. There are actual exercises because inspiration without action is pointless. And as both a licensed therapist and a coach, I know the power of really looking at the root of the problem. You got to look at the root of the problem. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you don't like something, change it, right? But I, I, I know my target audience and they are overthinkers. They are prone to overthinking. I'm not going to label them as that. They are prone to overthinking. And um, so they want to know the root cause. But I'm always like, all right, it's important to know where it comes from. But it's even more important to just like get that knowledge and then change it, right? So you know, knowing the root is important, but taking action on it um, is, is even more important. So in this workbook, you know, and here's the thing. I've had a lot of people, they sometimes download this guide and I'll check in with them and be like, did you do your exercises? No. See, that's part of the problem, right? Do not just consume content, right? If you're going to, if you're going to take the time, enter your name and email for this guy, actually sit down and do the exercises because I promise you, and they're all written prompts because I believe in the power of pen to paper. It's all things that we don't really give ourselves, like we don't, we don't give ourselves the time to even ask these questions, right? So I've just pulled it up here. So for example, one of the things is be ruthless about saying no, right? One of the exercises is to take a look at your calendar with all of your upcoming obligations and appointments. Make a list of all the things you've said yes to, and then cross off whatever feels like a bag of bricks holding you down, right? That's the thing. If more people, that's just one of the exercises that, that's in the guide. If we, every Sunday, I look at my calendar for the week. And I look at everything and I don't say yes often. I really don't. It has to be something, it, it has to be aligned with what I'm trying to create, right? Um, and what I'm moving towards. And, you know, I get to choose my time. I didn't go into business to be run by other people, have my schedule run by other people. But I look at the stuff that I have upcoming and um, I don't have to do this as much because I've trained myself to say no, but I'll be like, I don't really want to do this this week or I, 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 that can wait or whatever, right? So like take a look at all the things that you've said yes to and cross it off, like crossing it off and then like getting it handled, right? Like telling whoever you committed to, like I can't. But also if we trained ourselves to say no more, we wouldn't have to be the type of person that canceled and had to explain ourselves all the time, right? Because 
If you're in the habit of saying yes all the time, more often than not, you're probably left with remorse and resentment <laughs> towards yourself and other people. So start training yourself to say no more so you don't have to be that person to cancel and then apologize, right? So when we start to have better boundaries for ourselves and we start to be more clear on what we want and what we don't want, we impact those around us, right? Because when I'm a clear and direct person and I'm clear and I'm, I'm doing what feels good for me, that's actually easier for you, right? Think about it because imagine if you asked me to be on the podcast and I didn't want to be on the podcast. That's not true. Of course, I wanted to be here. But suppose you asked me to be on the podcast and I said yes to you, knowing damn well I wanted to say no. And then I'm like, fuck, it's like 20 minutes before our interview. And then I'm like, Crystal, you know what? I can't, blah, blah, blah. That's not fair to you. Think about it, right? So it's like us not being selfish actually is selfish, right? Because then I'm not only am I affecting me, but I, now I'm affecting another human being. So the clearer I am, the stronger my boundaries are, the less hurt I'm going to cause you, the less inconvenience I'm going to cause you. For somebody that's um, made a career out of sales and account management, there's nothing. I learned really early on that no is so much easier to take in from a sales standpoint than Having because then if you don't tell me no, I have to come and check in with you until you tell me no. <laughs> this, this is what I say when I'm on sales calls, right? When when a client's like, and I'm still doing one-on-one -on -one work with clients right now, and mm -hmm. I will still be doing a few select clients when I launch my membership community. Um, but I, you know, when I get on sales calls with clients and they're like, Can I get back to you? So then I, so what I will say is, what questions did I not answer? Right. Well, obviously I'm not I'm not like shouting at them, but I'm like, what yeah. like, do you still like what would make you a yes? Or are, like, are you a no? Like I can handle it. And sometimes it really is, I need time to think about it. And it's like, sure, if you need time to think about it until when, like, okay, so if it's Sunday, okay, cool. Can I follow up with you on Sunday? Like just even that, like, listen, I'm a quick decision maker because I'm very clear. There are people that need to process. And I understand that because everyone buys differently, right? I can't, I can expect you to, to make a decision as quickly as me. That's not fair to you. So if you need more time to decide, right? Let's be clear about it. By when? When will you let me know? I just talked to a girl yesterday. She was like on board and she just needed to sort a few things out. She's like, can I get back to you? I'm like, absolutely. Because like, listen, I'm not starving. I'm not desperate for anyone's money. I don't, I don't want that kind of energy in my life. I don't want money from you. If it's going to be pressured, I don't believe in all these like, well, why not? What's the obstacle? What could I? like, no, dude, either you're a yes or a no, right? Like, I don't have time to chase after. So she said, I need till Sunday. I said, perfect. She goes, can I call you? Can I text you? I go, text me. Like, that's it. Be clear. So I'll wait for you on Sunday. If I don't hear from you, that's it. Like, I'll follow up with you once because you're a grown ass woman. Either you want to work with me or not. Like that's, I'm very detached. And I'm like, if you want to work, if, listen, if you want to change your life, I'm here. I'll help you. If you're not sure whether or not you want to change your life, best of luck. Godspeed. <laughs> and it's, it's so much less time and effort on your end. I'm sure whenever you have made that commitment to yourself. Whenever you allow, like, and it also, like we had a saying in um, a sales job I had that no is just getting you to the quicker, getting you quicker to the yes. Yes. So the more no's you go through. I'm, uh, it's, it's very freeing. Mm -hmm. It's very freeing. Yeah. I think also as a, this year, 2020, I, I love the advice that you just gave um, from your free guide because I do have a habit of saying yes to everyone for everything all the time. And 2020 was my year of no. <laughs> yes, girl. And you, you know, there are so many ways that you can say no. Um, 
I'll get back to you. I mean, if you're a solid no, just say no, like, no, thank you. Oh my God. I have people messaging me with their freaking MLM offers on Facebook. And I'm just like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, I don't want your Arbon. No, I don't want your fucking essential oils. No, I don't want your protein powders. No, thank you. You know, and it's just so easy. And it's just a habit, right? Like if you're in the habit of saying yes, it's a habit. You've trained yourself to say yes. And I'm not just saying this to you. I'm saying this to everybody. Um, and you know, when you have clear boundaries with others, others will feel safe to say no to you. I don't want a friendship or I don't want a romantic relationship or partnership where the person feels like they can't say no to me. That's not real. That's not genuine. I don't want that. I don't ever want to put anyone in that situation. You know, I also find myself, um, whenever I am asking of something from a friend, I'm like, it's, you have a way out. You don't have to do this, but would you like to? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because like, well, when you say that's, that's great that you said that. And like, the more you say no, the more your friends can trust your yes. Do you get what I'm saying? Because like, if you've been a people pleaser, right, you or any, anyone listening, then your friend and your friends know this about you. They never really know whether you're saying yes because you mean it or yes because you want to. But the more you say no, then people know that when you do say yes, they can trust your yes. That you want to be there. And how, yeah, how terrible would it be like just to be, if you have a friend that comes along on everything and you don't know if they really want to be there or not, you don't want somebody spending time with you or doing whatever if they don't want to do it. Absolutely. So one of my favorite things to do, part of this podcast, I'm using this podcast to generate these stories um, for my children's book series. And every book is going to be based off of an interview. And it's a character named Ruthie. And the name's based off of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then my dog, Chloe. So I want to brainstorm with you a little bit. Let's be a little creative. And figure out what Ruthie's going to get into (laughs) um, for your book. So, oh my gosh. You're just, there's so many things. And conversations and directions that we went with on this podcast or on this episode. Um, I know what it is. Okay, go. So I think about Dorothy and her ruby red slippers. And Glenda says, you've always had the power within you. And that's what I really feel needs to be Ruthie's thing, right? Ruthie is searching for, I mean, obviously it's a children's book, so pick your thing. But like Ruthie's always searching outside of her to feel powerful. She's always searching for her friends or from... I don't know, flowers or whatever children's form, but Ruthie's thing message is she always had the power within her. She just, she was looking for it in all the wrong places. So it's like we are as adults and at some point as children, we stop doing this. We stop looking within and we start kind of relying on our, like we we stop trusting ourselves and we're like, oh, well maybe if I date this guy, I'll feel good. Or maybe if I look like this, I'll feel good. Or maybe if I wear this, or maybe if I have this much money in my bank account, but ultimately, none of that matters. None of it matters. I know what it's like to have $7 in my checking account because I just had $7 in my checking account about eight months ago when my mom was still taking care of me in my recovery. That was our deal. And I finally, I hit 10000 in March on my own. I felt great about myself even when I had $7 in my checking account because that was the whole purpose of my recovery is that no matter what is going on on the outside, I'm still going to feel good about me on the inside because when we don't feel good about ourselves on the inside, we will attract really shitty people. We will do things that are not aligned with our values. And we will constantly be seeking outside of us for the power that we've always had within. And so I think Ruthie needs to like learn how to love herself. And she, learned, she needs to learn how to trust herself. 
And in order to do that, it's like a garden, right? She has to get rid of the weeds. Mm-hmm. She has to water her own garden. So maybe it's like she's watering her neighbor's garden, you know, but she just needs to start watering her own garden. See what happens. Yeah, I was. Um, so as you were going through that, one of the ideas that popped in my head was like, maybe she's asking for so I don't know. So much help. Uh, maybe she just thinks that she can't do something and always goes to mom and dad to get it fixed. Yes, for her. That, that is that is fantastic. That is fantastic. You know, part of growing up is to like learn to parent yourself and not always go for your parents for advice because they're limited. They're human beings. Also, they're flawed. They don't have all the answers. Why the hell are we putting so much pressure on our parents to give us the answers? They don't know. So she's always going to her mom and dad for everything. And eventually she learns that she has the answer and she can figure it out on her own. So Ah, I love it. I'm so excited. Ah, figures it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started writing a couple of the books and I have a couple of illustrations, so I'm ready for them to come out. But anyways, Vasavi, thank you so much for coming on. Um, if somebody wants one, where can they download your your free guide? Vasavikumar.com forward slash free guide. Okay. And then if somebody wants to reach out to you or to connect with you, um, potentially a new client, is that the same place they go? I would, uh, so for the free, so if you go to vasavikumar.com, there's a link to get the free guide. It's all very, I made it so simple and straightforward for people because I hate websites that I can't navigate. So if you go to my website, vasavikumar.com, you can contact me there. You can um, book a one hour session with me for a price, obviously. Um, And if you just want to reach out, you can, and you can also download the free guide um, and then you'll immediately be put on the waiting list for our membership community. Cause that community is something that I wouldn't be where I am right now without it. So I wanted to create my own community. Also, if you're on social Facebook, I'm Vasavi Kumar and Instagram, I'm higher Vasavi play on words there. A, uh, higher Vasavi. And, uh, I'm very responsive to my DMS and, and all that good stuff. So. Ah, I love it. Um, I kind of, I want to hear more about the membership um, group that you're doing before I completely log off. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll say it really quick, right? I, so the name of my membership community, it's the first time I'm actually talking about this on any platform um, other than my social media, but it's um, mind your own business. It's the name of the membership community for two reasons. Mindset, focus on your mind over everything right? And business is not necessarily your actual business because you may not have a business, right? It's it's your idea. It's your dream. It's your goal. It's your, anything it is that you want to do. It's like mind your business, but it's like, it's not, I ha, I attract a lot of women business owners, but it could just be, you know, maybe you work for someone and you hate it. And so we got to get your mind right. We got to, you know, have you look at like other things that you can be doing or shift your perspective around your job, or maybe, maybe start tapping into that creativity of yours. That's kind of dulled and put away. And so your mindset, focus on your mind, mind your own business. The other definition is literally mind your own business. We are so busy focused on what everyone and every, everything around us is doing and saying, and I am like, shut it all out and focus on yourself, mind your own business. So I love it. And the great part about this is, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one work with people. So I don't want that intimate, uh, direct um, connection to be lost. So what I'm not going to do is inundate you with a bunch of online courses. I do have, you know, when you enter 
a morning reboot challenge because I believe our morning routine is everything. How we start our day, how we end our day really sets the tone. Um, and so I, I, you know, you get instant access to a few online courses, a few audio trainings, but you know, twice a month we have monthly calls where I focus on specific topics. Now here are the things, here's the thing, the topics that I cover are not going to be like content creation and copywriting and all that stuff. Although I can have experts on to do that. And so that's going to be a thing, but the topics that I'm talking about are self-love, self-talk, self-esteem, your money mindset, um, um, your, your morning routines, your habits family systems, your codependency, right? Your relationships. How do you communicate in relationships, healthy boundaries? Because I could give you all the business strategy in the world. I've been an internet marketer for 10 years. There's, I, I, I know how to run a business online. I can, or I can tell you how to start your business from point A to point B. I'm very creative in that way. But unless your mind is right, unless you get your shit handled, unless you close those power leakages in your life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And I'm, I'm firsthand proof of that. I am. Thank you so much for coming out. I am so excited about the membership uh, group that you're doing. I'm excited about your free help guide. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I think our, my listeners are going to love listening to this episode. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clip so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.